Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 135, the podcast where we discuss photography, videography, and anything and everything that's got anything to do with any of that. With me, Kirsten Lutz, and since this is the last episode of 2022, I have some incredible, awesome advice for you on how to take your photography to the next level from some of the greatest photographers around today. So let's dive right in with Joe McNally, Mark Wallace, Dylan Patrick, Steve Brazel, Sean Luthwaite, Peter Morgan, Dave Williams, and a bonus tip from myself that has made all the difference to my photography personally right after this. Before we get started, let me just say a quick thank you to our sponsor, DVE Store. DVE Store's mission is to help you create better video and provide you with the tools necessary to explore your creativity. If you have any digital video equipment needs, whether that's camera equipment, audio gear or lighting and much more, you can check them out at dvestore.com. Thanks to DVE Store for our high def video. Now that's out of the way, let's get right into it. So we've got seven awesome tips to take your photography to the next level in 2023. Um, last week's guest, was none other than concert photographer and podcaster, Steve Brazel. And Steve's really left us with a really awesome tip when it comes to concert photography. Um, concert photography is generally regarded as, as being quite a difficult type of photography, if you want to call it that, um, because you generally exist in dark environments with a lot of movement. So you're in a dark venue, for example, um, you've got flashing lights going on on stage and you're trying to photograph a band and the musicians are moving across the stage. That's generally quite tricky. But here's the thing. Steve's number one top tip is ignore the noise. Most music photographers know they uh, have to shoot at a high ISO and, uh, and they mentally resist that. They hit some arbitrary ISO that makes them think they can't go further. I've seen people on a Nikon Z9 or a Canon R5 say they were worried to go higher than ISO 3200. While you need to know the limits of your gear, it can almost always go way beyond what you think. Personally, I'm shooting at 6400 um, ISO and I know Steve does the same. Um, and I've, you know, in the past I've pushed it up to 10,000 um, and beyond that. and. I've even shot on like older cameras, like my D750, for example, um, or a, a much older, I can't remember, like an older Nikon uh, crop sensor camera that I used to have, I can't remember, with the, is it the D3500 or 5600, something like that. Anyway, but I used to crank the ISO on that. Now, you will get noisy pictures, no question, but here's the thing. If people talk about the noise in your image, then there's usually something else wrong with the image. And I think that's a really important thing to remember. Noise, after all, isn't really that much of an issue. Just think of old, uh, you know, old black and white uh, concept photographs that were taken on film back in the day. They're usually grainy as heck. Does it matter? Not at all, because nobody really pays any attention to the noise. And in fact, sometimes it can really add to the photograph. Um, a sharp, a sharp shot with noise is almost always better than a blurry clean shot. Um, of course, there are times when blur is intentional for a variety of reasons, but in general, ignore the noise and get the shot. 
that's an awesome tip for all of you who want to try their hands um, at concert photography. That's a very useful thing to remember. You know, if you want to get into concert photography, you know, you can start by, you know, contacting local bands, for instance, and, you know, go down to the local pub or bar, depending on where you live. Um, a lot of there are a lot of uh, music venues around locally. They're usually very dimly lit. That's a perfect training ground for your concert photography, for sure. If you can shoot in there, you can shoot in any proper venue, without a doubt. Um, open mic nights are a really good example as well. So, you know, find yourself an open mic night. They seem to be springing up left, right, and center around here. Um, if you, you know, if you find one in your area where you live, um, go and check that out. Um, Stand-up comedy events are just as useful. It's a very similar, a similar thing. Although often you have the comic just, you know, stood still at the at the mic stand, but some people move around. So a very useful environment to practice as well. So top tip from Steve Brazel right here: ignore the noise. So this takes us to tip number two from none other than. Headshot and property photographer Dylan Patrick. When thinking about flash and adding light to an image, any image, try and replicate where the light would be naturally coming from. Now, this is really something that I, I see a lot uh, that's being almost like ignored in photographs. Let's say you're adding a speed light to your shot. Um, it makes sense to place this speed light in a, in a place where it basically replicates the natural light. So usually light has direction. So usually light would come from, from the left, from the right, uh, from the top, uh, from a 45 degree angle, wherever. Um, you, can, you can read the shadows if you want to find out where, uh, where that light's coming from. And then place your studio strobe or your, or your, um, your flash um, in a place where you're where you're basically replicating that direction of light. Um, that will make for a much more naturally lit image. That doesn't mean that you can't add, you know, another light somewhere to lighten up the shadows or, you know, place a reflector um, so on the opposite side. Uh, it doesn't mean that you can't shape the light. Um, but generally speaking, if you're trying to boost the light in an image with a flash or with a strobe, you want to you want to place that in a in a position where it basically replicates the original direction of light. That's a super awesome tip. Um, something that I think is often forgotten about. But if you're if you're starting out uh, with using strobes or or speed lights or any of that artificial light sources, then that's a really really good uh, thing to remember. It's a top tip. Tip number three is from portrait and headshot photographer Sean Luthwaite. In fact. Sean's given us sort of a three-parter. Um, number one is don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. That's how you learn. Absolutely 100%. You've got to make mistakes in order to figure out where you've gone wrong. And that will make you a better photographer. Talk and distract your subject. Make them forget and feel relaxed in front of the camera. Uh, we've spoken about this particular issue on this podcast uh, several times in the past uh, this really is a thing when you're you know when you're doing headshots or uh, or you're shooting humans basically most people are not used to being in this unnatural situation of having you know having studio strobes pointing at them you know soft boxes around reflectors a big camera lens in their face and so on so people will naturally be nervous um, so it's a really good idea to to just distract them from thinking about all this stuff around them and just make them feel 
comfortable and more relaxed. And that way you'll you'd be guaranteed to get much better pictures. People just don't look great when they look like a deer in headlights. Um, and lastly, give them compliments on how they're doing in the session. Uh, but be honest, because people like to be told how they're doing. So that's a really important thing. Um, it's, it's really important to remain confident and positive. And even if you're basically, you know, even if you're, if you're giving them uh, overly positive feedback, um, you can always then, you know, carry on taking more shots, um, just by saying, oh, I wonder if, you know, I wonder what it would be like if you moved your head this way or that way, or moved your chin up or down or whatever. And, you know, even if you know, you haven't really cracked it yet and you haven't really gotten to that one, you know, that one super awesome hero shot just yet, that's a great way to, to just make them feel comfortable. Um, and self-assured and, you know, carry on with, uh, with taking more pictures um, so, that, so that they lose their nerves and remain relaxed. Okay, tip number four from tech guru Peter Morgan. So this is a bit of a, a tech tip. Um, so Pete says, if you can, keep your computer backup and your picture backup separate. Losing your latest pictures, if you have to restore your system back to a certain point, is a pain at best and business critical at worst. Um, I couldn't agree more. If you are looking at um, backing up your your system data or your photographs, um, you know, be sure to check out the episode that we did with uh, with Peter Morgan um, a few weeks ago. Um, there's some super useful tips in there as to how to back up your computer, how to back up your images. Um, but keeping those two things separate is is a really great tip. So you can use you could use separate um, hard drives or separate partitions and then you know back something up to the cloud for instance but keep those things separate because if you lose one um that you know then it doesn't have an impact on the other so if you're losing all your images well that's bad um but at least your computer is still up and running you know if you're losing if you basically if your computer goes down and you still have all your images in a separate place well that's even better because it just means you just switch out your computer and you can carry on working as 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 per usual so you know split these things up um, and we'll have many more tech-related tips uh, from Peter coming up on the on the Camera Shake podcast on a more regular uh, basis. So that'll be super, super interesting. Um, but yeah, keep your system data and your photographs separate. So next up, we're going to interrupt our regular programming for a few minutes because we have a brand new segment to the show and that's called What's Dave Up To Now? We're going to be following Dave Williams around on his latest adventure uh, called Due North 2, um, he's back on the road uh, to, uh, to the Arctic Circle and beyond. And uh, we're going to be following him um, on the Camera Shake podcast to see what he's up to. Um, and in this little bit, he's got some awesome tips on how to keep your photography going. Well, how to keep your gear going in the extreme cold. Um, if you are in the US at the moment, I know you're experiencing some super, super low temperatures. So there is some top uh, information in this tip for you. Um, but also over here in the UK, we've just come through um, a really, uh, really bitterly cold, cold snap. So, and the winter isn't over yet. So uh, there's probably more to come. So here's Dave Williams with some awesome tips on how to stay, how to stay warm and keep your gear functioning in the extreme cold. Hello, Camera Shake Podcast. I'm Dave Williams and I'm in Finnish Lapland. Right now, to be very specific about where I am, this is the Ulas Ski Resort. I believe it's the largest ski resort in Lapland. 
Not 100%, but I think that's true. Um, and there's my van, Coffee Fernway, which I drove here from the UK, just over 2,000 miles. Um, there is not many people on the ski slope today. It's There's a bit of a whiteout, as you can see with the snow in the trees behind me. Today is snowing and overcast. Fun fact, the sun does not rise here right now. So this is what is called polar night. So what that means is the sun doesn't come above the horizon. And I think the next time it does come above the horizon is early to mid-January at this location. But after here, I'm going to be going further north where the sun will rise later than that. Um, you can follow along with my social channels, uh, YouTube and Instagram specifically, but there's also a Facebook group where I share some 360 images, mostly drone 360 images of where I am. And you can see sort of more behind the scenes of what I'm up to. So what I'm doing is called Due North 2, because last year I did Due North, where I went uh, to Iceland, the Faroe Islands, Denmark, the Netherlands, Norway, Sweden, and Finland. But this year it's focusing on Norway, Sweden, and Finland. Um, so after here in Finland, I'm going to be heading up into Sweden to Kirina, Abisko, which is Swedish Lapland, and then up to northern Norway to Troms to Lofoten, and some awesome stuff's going to happen. Um, last night, right here, the Northern Lights kicked off, and it was my first Northern Lights show of the year. It was very, very impressive after a slow start, um, and I managed to get some real-time footage. Uh, this is the real-time footage right here. Uh, and as you can see, it was quite a show. So, questions about photography in the cold, because that's what it's all about for me. It's all about photography, and it's all about the cold. So, the most important thing to do... I'm sorry, by the way, if there's a bit of squeaking. It's the sound of the snow under my feet. I'll stand still for a minute. Um, photography in the cold is a different thing. It's a difficult thing. The main concerns come from extreme cold with our electronics... Uh, particularly with moisture incursion, so we have to keep our electronics warm, particularly the batteries. Um, the batteries in the cold are not rated basically to work, so if we keep them warm with some heat packs or by keeping our gear warm in between shooting, then we're going to have much better photography and keeping the camera warm, we also keep ourselves warm, wearing the right clothing, uh, lots of layers to trap the air and heat the air in between the layers to down to our skin. We basically stay warmer for longer and therefore we enjoy it for longer and it gives us more opportunity to be creative in our photography rather than to uh, just be too cold to be able to do anything. That's very important. Um, if we're too cold then we can't focus on the photography, we can't focus on the creativity and therefore um, we don't have fun and we don't produce great photos and great videos. So the top tip for keeping the batteries warm is to use heat packs or to have lots of batteries and keep them in pockets close to our skin. Uh, and then there are other problems that come from the cold and the changes of temperature which affect our lenses. So in the side door of my van, right by the side door, is where I keep my photography bags. And when I'm out in the cold, obviously the lens gets very cold, 
And just like on a cold day when you go indoors, if you wear glasses, your glasses will steam up. Your lenses will do that as well. If you go straight into the van, straight into somewhere warm with that cold glass. The best way to deal with that is to put your lens and your entire camera into a camera bag. Camera bags tend to be quite well insulated and therefore there is no sudden shock to warmth for the lens and for the camera. It can gradually acclimatize through the insulation of the camera bag and that mist either doesn't happen or takes longer to happen. There's a slower change in temperature from the extreme cold to the warmth. Speaking of extreme cold, there's a thermometer on the building up there and it says it's minus 13 here. Because I'm high up on the fell, there's a temperature inversion. These clouds here are trapping in the temperature because as we know heat rises and the temperature inversion means that it's warming up here compared to down the road that way where the town is of Ekaslampolo where it's about minus 20. It's not a great difference in height but because we're up on the fell we're at the highest point just there that temperature inversion traps the heat in here making it very slightly warmer that's interesting to know if you're going to a cold place for photography have a little bit of uh, reading about temperature inversions so thanks for uh, having me i'm going to pop back often to give you updates and where i'm up to on sorry what i'm up to and where i am it's going to be a little bit behind, so as I said, check out my socials for more up-to-date information. And thank you very much, Camera Shake Podcast. I'll see you again soon. Bye. And there we are. That was Dave Williams telling us about his latest adventures up in the far north and, uh, and how to keep your gear functioning in the extreme cold. So let's move on to tip number six from Adorama TV's very own Mark Wallace. In fact... We've just been following Dave Williams and his band, uh, but Mark's also built out a Land Rover and he's on the way to uh, Mexico and Central America. Um, so we're going to be following him as well, see what he's up to. Because uh, if you remember a year or two ago, um, he was uh, on tour on his motorbike, crisscrossing continents left, right and center and uh, circumnavigating the earth, basically, uh, whilst taking photographs. Uh, super interesting thing. In fact, um, Mark was on the show a little while ago. And uh, if you haven't seen it yet, I put a link um, up here somewhere. Um, check that out. That was a super interesting thing because we met up with him um, when he was somewhere in Central America, as far as I remember. Um, but he's on a, on his latest adventure. So we're going to, like I said, we're going to be following as well. But Mark's sent in um, a few really interesting uh, tips as well. Again, a bit of a multi-parker. Uh, multi-parker? multi-parter but um this has to do with some practical tips as far as camera settings are concerned now here's tip number one if you need to shoot indoor photos use these settings use shutter priority mode at 160th of a second iso 400 on camera flash set to ttl or auto a medium lens something around 35 mil or a 24 to 70 zoom set around 35. that's actually a that's a really cool tip. Um, and it says, that's it, shoot, and you'll get great photos. If you have white walls, point your flash up or at a 45 degree angle, the light will be softer. That's actually, a, again, that's a really great tip. Um, I do that a lot when I shoot events, especially indoor events. Uh, events, you know, especially when you have relatively 
uh, low ceilings or white ceilings or white walls. Um, you can, if you, if you imagine, if you have a, um, a flash on top of your camera, you can swivel the flash at and you can point that towards the wall, for example, and you get a much softer, um, you know, much softer, uh, slightly more directional light. And it looks a lot more natural because again, as we've discovered earlier, you know, light has direction. And by pointing a flash directly at your subject, you get these really flashy deer in the headlight uh, type of vibes going. That's, you know, nobody, nobody wants that. So uh, swivel your flash at, point it at either at the ceiling and get like a really, almost like a blue, uh, blue tea? A, I can't talk today. It's <laughs> just come out of Christmas. Well, anyway, a beauty light type of effect or point it at the wall and um, you can use the wall basically as a massive reflector. So the light will get softer because you're now using a wider or bigger surface to reflect the light off and it will have direction because it'll come from the side um, rather than from the top of your camera. So that's a really useful thing. 35 mil, by the way, is a really great focal length um, to use indoors. Um, it's uh, it's a little bit wider than what we would normally perceive. Um, and so it gives us a slightly wider, uh, a, a wider view, which uh, especially when we're indoors uh, works really well because other otherwise if you're shooting with a 50 or at 70 mil or something like that, everything starts to look very hemmed in. That is, of course, unless you want to take detailed shots, in which case, you know, those are, those are great focal lengths to use. But um, if you want to capture a scene indoors, 35 mil is pretty much perfect. Anything wider than that will start to introduce distortion into the frame. Um, and especially when, uh, when you have humans in the shot, then that could be a problem because um, what happens then, you're then distorting, um, you know, faces and heads and uh, body parts and so on and so forth. And I, you know, that probably doesn't look great. Definitely not very flattering. So 35 mil, it's a really good focal length to use indoors. Right. Mark's second tip is for better looking portraits, use your longest zoom lens. Stand back and zoom in. Get as far as your subject as possible. Oh, get as far from your subject as possible while still filling the frame with your zoom. That will help reduce distortion, give you a better looking background and put your subject at ease. If your photos are blurry, use a faster shutter speed and add a tripod. So the idea here is that if you're taking a, let's say a headshot or a close-up portrait, um, that you use something like a 72-200 set somewhere in the 160 to 200 mil region, roughly. Um, what that means is you're going to have to stand fairly far away from the subject, but it'll really blur out the background. It'll compress the background really, really well, and you get a really nice uh, blurry bokeh. Um, and uh, and what it, what it does is it basically allows your subject's face to just pop out of the frame, which is which is great. Um, the other thing it does is it's um, at that focal length, um, it's really flattering for um, for your subject's face. So it basically reduces distortion to the point where the facial features come across as really flattering. So um, that's a really good a really good tip. The other um, lens I use regularly for uh, headshots, for instance, is an 85 uh, because I personally like um, what an 85 mil does to facial features. It doesn't create that soft of a background, but um, again, for a studio portraiture, a, 30, uh, a 35 and 85 works really well as well. And Mark's final tip when it comes to camera settings is this. Shooting a dark event, holiday party or wedding reception, use these settings. Add an on-camera flash or speed light. Set your speed light to TTL, 
So TTL is through the lens metering. And what it does is it basically means that the essentially the flash works out how much power it needs to use to properly um, expose the scene. So you don't have to worry about whether your flash is you know, not powerful enough or too powerful. Um, and, and it takes that worry away from you. So you set it to TTL um, and you can be pretty certain depending on you know, whenever you change any of the other settings on your camera, your flash will then counter-regulate and make sure that everything's properly exposed. So TTL can work really well. Um, if you find, because you're maybe you're um, bouncing your flash, you know, off the ceiling or off walls um, or whatever, or using a flash bender from Rode, for example, uh, Rode even, um, that's very useful as well. You can always add more power to the TTL. So you could set it to TTL plus one or TTL minus one. Um, and you can you still have the ability to you know to adjust it to your liking but in principle basically the flash is taking care of it by itself which is great anyway so uh, keep your speed light pointing forward don't tilt um set your camera to rear curtain sync um and switch it to shutter priority mode um, and use a shutter speed of one fifteenth of a second at ISO 800. Now, what that does is um, a shutter speed of one fifteenth of a second may appear relatively slow, but what's actually happening is is that the flash itself exposes the movement um, and or freezes the movement, and so uh, you don't necessarily have to worry about it too much. Uh, ISO 800 is very useful because the higher you you crank up the ISO, um, the less power your flash needs to compensate. And that means that your your batteries last a lot longer, trust me. Because um, that's the one thing with speed lights, they're usually powered by, you know, by, by four AA batteries. Um, and you can, you can, you can get through those batteries relatively quickly if you run at full power. So even if you, you know, you double your ISO on your camera, and that means you're using half the power on the flash and that can that can make a massive difference um and with modern cameras today it really doesn't matter i mean you know you can shoot at iso 800 absolutely no problem your pictures are going to come out fine um, you know maybe 10 years ago that would have been a problem but nowadays absolutely no worries you can even crank it up to 1600 um if you feel the need to again you're just going to save battery power on your flash and therefore you can take more shots and therefore you don't have to shut up to switch out the batteries as often super awesome tip works really well i do all the time Today we have some super awesome tips from Mark Wallace um, that will get you through most situations um, and again, some super helpful tips when it comes to camera settings. Um, hopefully we'll have Mark on the show in the not too distant future because as I said earlier, he's on the road um, through Central and South America um, at the moment and we shall be uh, following that um, and we'll update you on how he's getting on with that. Now, let's move on to tip number seven, our last tip for today by none other than the master of inner zen, Joe McNally. Um, Joe's tip is a, is a really interesting one because it doesn't really have very much to do with photography per se. Um, it's got more to do with, with how you conduct yourself in order to keep all the moving pieces under control. Um, when you do a photo shoot, no matter whether it's you know in the studio or whether you're on location, there are lots of things that that uh, you have to have under control, and everything happens fast, and everything happens at the same time. So Joe's tip is this: 
even when things are not going well, demonstrate patience behind the lens. Patience with the subject, with any technical difficulties of the moment, with the crew, with yourself. It will come around. Always take a beat, be positive, and then get your eye back in the lens and drive forward. This is such a powerful tip because I think we've all been in a situation, whether that's on a photo shoot or whether it's in any other situation in life, where things were seemingly getting out of control and it felt like it felt like the situation is running through our fingers like sand. And it's really important to just take a breather, take a step back, be very patient with with everyone around you and with yourself, and then just you know take a beat as uh, as Joe says, you know be positive, always be positive, and then get your eye back in the lens and then drive your project forward. Um, people will thank you immeasurably for it, and uh, that's really what makes great leadership ultimately. And when you're in control of a session or you're in control of a shoot um, on location with you know with assistants and grips and models and all the rest of it, then it's really important that that you can demonstrate that leadership and make fe- make people feel comfortable because they can sense that you've got everything under control. So super top tip from Joe McNally um, here. I don't know anybody anybody else um, who you know has more experience when it comes to when it comes to controlling a really complicated setups with you know. Lots of crew and um, and models and, and lots of equipment and gear in the game. Um, this uh, an absolute uh, killer of a tip. Something that I will be taking, you know, to, that I will be thinking about uh, myself uh, next time. Next time I'm in that situation. So thank you, Joe, for for that awesome tip. Okay, so I've got one bonus tip left for you guys, um, and this is actually this is a tip um, from myself because. I remembered something that somebody said to me, a piece of advice that I was given a long time ago. Um, and that is, the greatest outcomes always start with getting your butt out of bed. And nothing could be more true than that. If you think about it, um, there are so many, you know, as creatives, I'm sure, you know, we have so many different ideas of things that we could do or things, you know, things that we could make happen or things that would be cool if, you know, is that, that's what, for me, that's always the, it's always the thing, the, wouldn't it be cool if, and it's the if that always irks me because really it should be the when, you know, and so I always remember that actually, you know, in order to create a great outcome, it's really important to take the first step. And so getting your butt out of bed it's usually the first step that leads to an incredible outcome. If if you if that doesn't happen, then usually nothing else follows on from that. So you know, getting your butt out of bed, uh, you know, super awesome um, thing to think about. Um, the very first episode of the Camera Shake podcast, when Nick and I first started this podcast, was called "Done Is Better Than Perfect," and that's really something um, I've lived by ever since then. Because it's absolutely totally true, you know. If if you try and work out all the problems in advance and try and find a solution for every possible scenario, you're probably going to be likely to 
talk yourself out of a good idea rather quickly. Sometimes it's just the it's just better to just simply get started and then solve arising issues as you go along. Um, but that's really the only way that eventually leads to a great outcome. So done is better than perfect. Get your butt out of bed if, if you want to create a great outcome. I don't know. It's something that's uh, that has always resonated with me. Um, it's just really important to to get things moving. And if there's anything that you've been thinking about, something that's been rattling around your head, something that you thought was you know is probably a good idea um, to be doing in 2023, then please get in touch. Let me know. I'd love to hear about your um, photography projects or video projects. Um, it'd be super interesting. You can get in touch on Instagram. Um, you can send us a DM there. You can get in touch on our Facebook group, our Camera Shake Podcast, or Camera Shake Community even. Um, you can get in touch on Twitter, provided that still exists by the time this episode comes out, um, or send us an email. Absolutely no problem. All the details are in the description. Um, let me know what you've got planned for 2023. Um, I think... It's going to be an awesome year for photography. There's so much killer stuff on the horizon, um, so much technology and gear that I've heard about that's uh, that's going to be available to everyone um, to make to make this even more enjoyable, and it's going to help us create even more awesome um, photos next year. Um, so again, get in touch. Let us know uh, what you've got planned. Um, let us know where you are and where you're listening to this podcast from because that's always um, always interesting and uh, and I wish you all a super awesome and successful 2023 that's all from us at the Camera Shake Podcast uh, for today but you're tuned back in next Thursday and remember get in touch let us know what you're up to have a good one see you next Thursday Bye.